Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. For those of you listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We've got a great show coming for you today. Reason why it's so great is because Josh isn't here. It's just me and Nick. Bunch of sports to talk about. MLB World Series. You've got the NBA starting up. NFL Week 7. College football is heating up as well. So buckle up because here we go. We're back. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. So 377 coming at you higher than 376. Me and Toss on the mic. We could still tuck it under our waistbands without Josh here. We're here. We're talking sports. World Series just got kicked off. Game one is on Tuesday. We got the Braves and the Astros. Braves heading into Houston. The Braves take down the Dodgers. I could not be more excited. I'm so happy that that brutal season for the Padres came to an end, but it also came to an end for the Dodgers early. They had high hopes, and they got crushed by an injured Braves team that retooled during the deadline and got amazing players to fill up that offense and had some studs that really came to fruition during the playoffs. So super happy for the Braves and all the Braves fans out there. Apologies to all the Boston fans out there. Houston just ran away with it. They came back in, I think it was game five or it was game four. They came back in game four, tied it up two two. And then it was just a runaway train from there. Yeah. And, uh, Boston just lost the juice on their offense and couldn't pitch. And Josh has been saying this from the get-go, and I somewhat agree with him. This is the scariest lineup that we've seen in a very long time. So it's going to be a really fun World Series. Everyone better buckle up because there's going to be a lot of offense, I think. Yeah, I I think I'm really excited to watch how things shake down. I think the expectations were that there was a good chance that the Astros made this World Series. I know a lot of people before the season started, you know, had high hopes for the Yankees. Um, we, we were pretty big on the White Sox as well. Obviously, they made it to the playoffs, didn't get all the way there. But the, the Dodgers were supposed to be the, the other team from the NL side. So this is, especially if, if you had only watched the first third of the season, there's no way you would have picked the Braves to have made it to the World Series. But it's all about getting hot at the right time. Framber is, uh, he's going to start it off. He pitched game five. He went deep, and so he's starting it off against Charlie Morton. Nick, do you have any? Are you leaning one way for for Game One, or are you just just kind of have to feel things out, see how things shake down, and then go from there? I think I think you got to you know see how things shake out. Both these teams are hot right now. Um, they both came came back and just got the job done and didn't take their series to seven games. So that's really big for both both teams momentum yeah um valdez i think has been pitching phenomenally this playoffs um he does have a 4-2 ra but he's been pretty clutch in in big situations uh charlie's been here before though uh charlie morton and he's starting game one so um i don't look for him to you know be shaky from the jump but yeah i mean i I, my heart says the braves just because they had such a amazing 
I guess series against the Dodgers and you take a team down like that, you feel like you can beat anyone. Yeah, their bats were really, really hot, super clutch hitting. The amount of runs that they've scored with two outs, it's like over 40 at this point in the playoffs, which is it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely clutch. And Josh, when I brought that up with him earlier this week, when we were watching against the Sox, he was like, yeah, but they always have guys on base, right. but it, you still have to get it done. You still have to execute. And of course. I, it's just, this is going to be a series where if your starter doesn't go deep, doesn't go past five, six innings, the bullpen better shape up. They better give you a lot of innings. They better be able to go two or two or three, that middle reliever who steps in, um, the, the closers are going to get a lot of work as they always do, but you got to be able to score at least four every single game. Like exactly it's got to happen. And, and that was kind of the issue. I really thought that, I mean, just to, just to touch on the Dodgers getting outed, I thought it was weird that Scherzer didn't pitch, but I, I thought that Walker Buehler actually pitched a really good game up until that, that last pitch where he, you know, he let up the three run Homer, but right. To the maybe hottest that's, hitter in all of baseball right now. Right. Right. And I think a little bit at that point, like, what was that? Sixth inning, seventh inning, maybe like managerial decision, maybe should have pulled him. The guy on second and third at that point, he had pitched a long day and, you know, it it came back to bite them obviously. And and that was too big of a lead to, to come back from, but yeah, it's going to be fun. No Acuna though, but we'll see if it even matters. No Acuna, no problem. And you know, I, I alluded to it earlier. They retooled the right way. They went out and got Soler. They went and got Eddie Rosario. Duvall. I mean, all these guys are brought in, you know, they, they weren't supposed to be here to start the season at Jock Peterson. And they just have that rotation in that outfield and it's sound. And uh, yeah, so Cunha is a phenomenal player. He's a generational talent, but this GM deserves a big award. So I also think that this series as much fun as a Boston LA series would have been, or a New York LA series, or just like some of the big market teams, this is a good series for baseball, for baseball to grow, because I think this is going to be an exciting series with a lot of offense. And clearly, outside perspective, people always want to see home runs. They want to see big numbers. So I think we're going to get a lot of that this, this series. Also, the Braves haven't been to the World Series since 1999. Like that's, they're a quote-unquote America's team in baseball, right? And everyone's going to be rooting for them this year because people still hate the Astros from the whole cheating scandal. Yeah. So you got the villain versus everyone's favorite underdog right now in this entire playoff series. And it's going to be awesome. Just the electricity that's going to go through the city of Atlanta and the same with Houston as well. I mean, those are both really passionate fan bases. For sure. Yeah. You're, you're a big fan of the chop and we'll obviously see that on, on TV when they're, when they're playing in Atlanta, I think for the Astros, if they win this, they kind of get the monkey off their back a little bit and shut people up. I think if if they've won it this season, there's yes, they're still going to be hated by a lot of baseball fans, but we'll have to kind of just tip our cap to them because they're incredibly talented. And there's a lot of the same guys that are on those, those cheating teams that are still there. Oh yeah. And you got to believe that this one means a lot to them because they want to shake that monkey off their back. They want to rewrite the narrative that they can win a world series without the whole cheating scandal, without a shortened season, you know, like they can get this done a legit, legitimate way. So it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of players on that roster that, you know, like you just said, were on, was on the cheating scandal team, Altuve, right. Correa, Guriel. I mean, 
those guys are all painted as villains. They get booed everywhere they play. So I think this will do wonders for everyone's career, but I'm rooting for the Braves here. So let's hope uh, our boys in Atlanta get it done. Yeah. One, one last thing I'll add before we move on to football. Um, Astros coach Troy Snitker is the son of the Braves manager. So there's like a really interesting family tie-in. If you yeah. were, if you were the wife of the manager, who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for your son? Or are you rooting for your significant other? Uh, well, I would probably say since Troy isn't the manager of the Astros, yeah, I'd probably say I'd root for my husband. <laughs> my <laughs> it's a, husband. It's a it's a tough predicament. Nick Crowder's husband, <laughs> and his he's never won a World Series. Neither of them ever won a World Series. But like the cool thing about Snitker for the Braves is he's been with the Braves system since like 1982. He's only been in their system at the minor league level. And he's moved up the ranks, and it'll just mean a lot for him because he's always been with the Braves. You know? Yeah, and because almost Hank, forty years, Hank Aaron hired him too, which obviously, you know, the late Hank Aaron, um, his his recent passing. So that that's certainly a meaningful thing for the Atlanta franchise. And yeah, that was a, yeah, go ahead. I also love Dusty Baker too on the Astros side though. They flashed a stat. He's got 200, he had like 243 wins as a player and 243 wins as a, as a head coach or as a manager, which is absurd. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm sorry, of, not 200, 2,000. That's what I meant. Oh my gosh, good lord, that's. I mean, I mean, it's not su- it's not surprising just for how long of a tenure he's had as a as a coach, but also you know how long he played and how maybe good he was. Sorry, maybe he was. I got this wrong. It was 2,043 hits and 2,043 wins. That's what it was. So pretty phenomenal, regardless. Yeah, but, yeah, very very phenomenal. Okay, so let's. Let's take it to the gridiron because um, I think that at this point, we just got to watch those games. So so tune in Tuesday night. Anyone who's listening, obviously, that's that's game one of the World Series. College football, we don't have to talk too much about this, but it's interesting how the top teams are shaking out. Um, right now, we've got Georgia at one. Cincy is at two. I expect them to stay, but they, they played – a really close game against Navy. They almost lost. So they can't they can't have any missteps, of course, because any of the other teams from Power Five conferences will easily jump them and very quickly. But we do have Ohio State, who's at five. Um, Michigan and Michigan State play each other this coming weekend. Michigan six, Michigan State's eight. This is the first time in a while that Michigan has been undefeated up until this point in the and season. Michigan State, too. Yep, and Michigan State as well. So this is a huge game, obviously. But if Michigan wins this game, then they have to play Ohio State at the end of the season, rivalry week. And hypothetically, then are they in the same division within, or, or yeah. could they play each other in the Big Ten Championship as well? Uh, no, they, they would not play each other in the Big Ten Championship. They, right. they play each other the last week of, of their schedule. And the winner of... I mean, not the winner, the winner of like the East, which is what they're in, will play presumably either Iowa or Minnesota. Those are the, the top two dogs. Probably right. Iowa. Probably Iowa. Them. Yeah. Right. So Iowa, Iowa lost last week. They they get bumped down to seven. They're not a they're huge. Nine in, they're, they're nine in the uh, the AP. Are they nine in the AP? So I, I'm not, they're a little bit of a threat, I guess, but more so a threat to kind of spoil someone's route rather than, take it all the way to the, to the playoff. Um, right. 
But I think if Michigan loses that game, if Michigan beats Michigan State, can they jump Ohio State? I think they possibly could. And then if they lost to Ohio State, could they still make it? And would there still be a possibility of two Big Ten teams making the college football playoff? What do you think about that? Well, Michigan State and Michigan square off this week, but Ohio State and Penn State also square off next week. So, which is a ranked team as well. So, I think it just depends on who gets the more convincing win. Like if Ohio State goes and, you know, kicks the brakes off of of Penn State, then we probably got to keep Ohio State at where they are. Yeah. And because eventually it doesn't doesn't really matter because eventually these two teams are going to play each other, right? Like one of these teams are going to be able to prevail over each other. Um, But I can, I can see there being two big 10 teams in the playoff, but it has to be a situation where it's like Michigan. I don't know. Like, I feel like if it was, if, 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 if like Iowa, was was like the undefeated team, then that would be the case. But the, the issue is there's like the East, which is Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, are the ones that are are all fending for this, right? And they're going to get losses. And only one of them gets to go to this conference championship. So if you're a one-loss team, you have to also win the conference championship. So I actually don't see it happening. Well, how about how about this? Okay, so if Oklahoma wins out, they're in. If Georgia wins out, they're in. If they lose in the SEC championship to Alabama, but they're going in as the number one seed, they're still in, is is my my guess. Right. Cincinnati wins out, they should still be in as well. But if something right. crazy happens in the Big Ten, like if Michigan, if Ohio State loses to Penn State, but then beats Michigan, and then say Iowa loses another game and then wins the Big Ten championship. That could get, that could remove a Big Ten team from contention to even be in consideration. Can Oregon, if they win out in the Pac 12 and Cincinnati drops a game or Oklahoma drops a game, can they sneak in? Yeah, for sure. I think Oregon has been, has gotten some really convincing wins this season. Um, You know, beating Ohio State was a huge one, Right. right? That was early on in the season. I mean, they had they took a tough loss to Stanford, but you know that happens. Uh, but they beat UCLA last week, and they were the underdog. You know, they're a ranked team, and so they definitely got to win out, and they got to win the Pac-12. But I can see it happening for sure. And you know, the Big Ten does this all the time. They always have these teams that just cannibalize each other. So we'll we'll just really have to see how that shakes up in that in that conference. But looks like Georgia's a lock. I mean. I think last week they had him at like a 91% chance to make the college football playoff, which is absurd. You know, you're seven games into the season. Right. Um, Cincinnati controls their own destiny clearly, and they really don't have too much competition ahead of them. Although they did play that close game against Navy. They only won by seven and it was a close game, the entire game, but you, the rest of the schedule, you got Tulane, Tulsa, U, U, USF, uh, SMU, which is a tough one because they're undefeated. Yeah. And then ECU. So that's really their biggest challenge. And then, um, you know, they're a conference championship game, but they control their own destiny at the end of the day. I mean, Desmond Ritter's probably the best quarterback in that conference. They've got a good defense. So I don't foresee them losing. It's, it, it would be great to see them in the college football playoff just for that program. Cause I do like seeing new programs get in. 
but at the same time, like, are they really going to be able to hold their own against these powerhouses like Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, like any of those big conference schools? Probably not. Yeah, the expectations, definitely no. And, of course, if you want to get more college football talk, specifically Texas Longhorn football talk, you know, they're playing the Baylor Bears this upcoming weekend. Go check out our our sister pod, Horns Up Talking Texas, with Quan Cosby. All right, that's enough NCAA talk. Nick, give the uh, – well, I guess there'll be a little bit of college football incorporated into what you're about to talk about right now. Give the listeners the parlay that you hit. There was a six-leg parlay that hit tonight with Sunday Night Football, and uh, you obviously you put it in at betonline.ag, as, as you know we always do. We're, whenever we're betting, that's where we go. So head to betonline.ag today. Um, tons of fun football props that you can put your money on, basketball props as well, online casino, be careful there. Uh, but Nick, talk about the, the parlay you hit. Yeah, so I kind of rode some of my uh, favorite college teams right now. Uh, first one being UTSA, who was undefeated, who is, who is ranked for the first time in program history, go Roadrunners. Um, money lied them. And then I money lined San Diego State. Uh, you know, a long time fan of I've been a long time fan of San Diego State because my mom went there and they got their job done as well against um, uh, Air Force. They were an underdog. And then I put some money on BYU as well, money line. And then heading to the NFL slate, took the underdog, the Tennessee Titans. Really was really confident. We told you last week on the show to ride the money line because we thought they were going to beat the chiefs and they whooped the chiefs. Yeah. Destroyed easily. That game was over in the first half money lined the Patriots because you have to throw that one. That's an easy win. They whooped the jets. And then the last one was a scary one for me, which was the Colts. And that one started off really, really ugly. And gross game to do with the weather. Yeah. It had to do with the weather, but it seemed like the Colts were literally doing this in spite of me. Like they, they wanted to lose the game because I put money on them and Naeem Hines drops that open touchdown. He could have ran down the sideline for like 60 yards. Uh, Jonathan Taylor fumbles on the first snap. Uh, Carson Wentz is literally throwing it to more Niners players and his own players to start the game. He figures it out. They do get the win, but uh, yeah, it was a nice hit for me. It, 16 parlay and uh felt good it's been a while since something that big has has come my way in the betting world <laughs> yeah i'm i'm happy that you hit it i'm sorry you had to uh sweat it out during this sunday night game uh with the, the category five atmospheric river which this is the second time we've had this year in the nfl a sunday night game that's had crazy inclement weather that chiefs what was it the chiefs ravens game as well mm-hmm. where they had to go into that uh into the locker room because it was, there was crazy lightning storms. Right. Um, and obviously this one, like you could, you could see it almost looked like the players were glowing from the broadcast because there was so much rain on them. Yeah. Yeah. The Niners jerseys look sweet, by the way. The, you like those, you like the white, the white bottoms, white bottoms. They had the throwback, uh, like 70, 70th anniversary jerseys on look really old school. I think they look really sharp. Um, if I wasn't betting on the Colts, I would have bet on the Niners just because of what they were wearing. But, it was clear that there was only one man who could really touch the football on the Niners side when it, when it was in the air. And that was Debo Samuel. And he had some drops, he had a fumble. So they got to be less one dimensional. Yes. They've had a lot of injuries on their offense, but at the same time, like you got to get more guys involved. 
Yeah, it was interesting to see Elijah Mitchell really dominate on that first drive, and then they kind of went away from the yeah, run game. Script. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously, you know, tried to get some PA in there, get Jimmy out of the pocket a little bit, but it they just kind of got out coached. It felt like by Frank Reich and e- right. even Carson Wentz utilizing the downfield ball defensive pass interference. I mean, we saw three oh, of them yeah. that put them into the like a five on the five yard line goal to go situation. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like cakewalk for them at that point. Right. Yeah. No, you, you cannot give free uh, field advantage there. I mean, it, it's just, it's just not happening. Um, but Pittman, give him all the credit there. I mean, he drew a lot of those. Yeah. To me, he's really stepped up as a, as a true wide receiver one this year. And obviously we were texting you, Josh and, and myself about Jonathan Taylor and you deemed him a top seven back. Um, in the league at the, at the minimum. And I completely agree with you. There are only like five guys that I would take ahead of him and, and any other guy you have to argue with me about it. Like right. it's outside of Zeke, CMC, Kamara, Henry, Henry and Henry's number one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let, yeah. That was not in order. Let's just, let's just call that one a day. I mean, yeah, I'm, I like could kick myself that I didn't draft Eric Henry in instead of, yeah. Well, I mean, Josh round. and I took, McCaffrey first and like what a terrible pick like why'd we do that most people probably took Camara or McCaffrey and I ended up taking Camara with the second pick in in one of my leagues and I ended up drafting him in the auction with another league and Henry just there's nothing you can do to stop that guy he I mean he'll touch the ball over almost 30 times and every time he will get over 100 yards and he'll hit the end zone it's automatic yeah he's just the biggest freak I've ever seen to, to run the ball I saw ESPN put out like a debate and I can't remember which show it was, but they said, who would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Derrick Henry, which of course is a ludicrous question. And it's just, it's just clickbait. Obviously your quarterback is the most important position on the quarter uh, on the NFL field, on the football field, but that's how valuable Derrick Henry is. Like that's how crazy good he is. It's, it's less, Oh, how crazy is that comparison? And how crazy is that debate? Yes, of course it is. But even just the fact that it's being considered, that's how good Derrick Henry is. Yeah, and good. No, I was just gonna say, and he got the best of that matchup today, and a lot of that has to do with game script. And Pat Mahomes had again not a very good day. I, I know there was that one play where it was really scary because he got he got absolutely rocked yeah. on that play. Um, he's not look, himself this year. I, maybe it's being a new father. I don't know. He's he's staying up later at night or something. But or maybe it's Jackson Mahomes that is is messing with his his mind. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what an idiot. Jackson Mahomes does like a TikTok dance on last week in, in Washington as they're unveiling like this Sean Taylor Memorial right. with his number like spray painted on the sideline 21. They're retiring his number and it's roped off like there's a clear rope around the area of where the his number is spray painted on the field. And Mahomes is inside. Jackson Mahomes is inside the roped off area doing a dance. And like he tries to say on Twitter, give apology. And like cops, I was like, I deeply apologize like to the Taylor family and like to the Washington fans. Like they told us to stand in that area. And I had no, I had no clue that, that that's what that was. Oh, they told you to stand in a roped off area. Like don't just own it up to it. You know, like don't, don't cop out. Yeah. Such a distraction. It's like, what? Right. And if then Patrick, obviously he gets, 
he gets asked about it, right? In, in pressers right. and in interviews. And it's like, that takes away from whatever his uh, exactly. mental and focus Patrick, is. Patrick does not need to think about that. He does not need to talk about that. That has nothing to do with him. That has nothing to do with the game. That's his dumbass brother being an idiot. Like, I would tell my brother to stop coming to games if that was the case. Like, you're making me look bad. You're making this organization look bad. You're making our family look bad. Like, grow up. Or just don't come to these games. Sit on the couch with your potato chips and do your TikTok dances. Yeah. Maybe you'll get a, a lay sponsorship or something like that with your TikTok dances. Who who knows? Okay. So a lot of teams were on by this week. I think for me, now that we've a, a majority of the teams have played seven games, it's starting to become clear who is completely out of the playoff picture. And yeah. in the AFC, a lot of teams are vying for that second wildcard spot and a lot of them i mean the chargers are kind of the front runner right now right for the for that wild card that first wild card spot but the second one well in the in the ravens but then the the kind of second one is up for grabs i mean the browns are in contention they're four and three i would say the steelers are they're three and three the colts gritty win tonight three and four um the the entire afc west Right. You, you've got the Chiefs and the Broncos. Everyone's in it. Yeah. Everyone's really in it. And, and even the Patriots, the Patriots are now at three and four as well. And obviously, you know, they've, they've had two nice games against the Jets, but they get another one against the Dolphins, which I expect them to win um, that second game against the Dolphins because I think that they're finding their footing, um, especially with the run game. Looked great today. They put up 50 plus points against the Jets. That's, <laughs> that's absurd. Um, yeah. Jets are bad. Still what, bad. Still, still very, very bad. Wilson went down, of course, but the the biggest game today, at least on the AFC side, was the Bengals Ravens game. The Bengals, they look legit, very legit. And I yeah. did not advise our listeners to take the bet. I said I would be taking the bet of the Bengals, but at this point, they're the top of the AFC North and deservedly so. They they dominated the Ravens. Yeah, that Joe Burrow Jamar Chase duo is absurd i mean you've been saying this for a while that he could be the number one receiver come the end of the season and right now he is he just is he he leads the league in receiving yards he's just shy of averaging a touchdown per game um i mean his what he can do after the catch and what he can do downfield is just incredible and obviously he has a total mind meld with burrow this was a really bad matchup for the ravens because as anyone knows about the Ravens. They love blitzing. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback is the best QBR against the blitz this year. So don't blitz the guy. Cause clearly it, it just puts you in a bad position. And he's able to pick, pick you apart. And Uzoma got, he got super involved today at two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, th- it, for me though, what has put the Bengals together is they, they're all of a sudden feeling like a really complete team. They have mixed new can run it. Their offensive line is holding up. It's not incredible, but it's doing enough. And their defensive line with the addition of Hendrickson, they're really, really good. They're, they're a well put together team. And I expect them to be there at the end of the season in the AFC North. I'm not, I don't think like it's a lock that they're going to win the division, but I mean, they're tied right now at the Ravens. They have head to head, of course, but they still have right. to play them one more time. And everyone knows these AFC North games are, crazy competitive and can right can end up in any result but i think they'll be really competitive and if not vying for the division winner vying for a wild card spot at the end yeah. of the seasons and talk about joe burrow here he's probably gonna win a comeback player of the year 
yeah, it's going to be between him and Dak, right? Like is what it looks right. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dak, yes, for sure. But I feel like Burrow, like it's great because no one expected this. Like you expect Dak to come back and be Dak again and the Cowboys to be good. Right. Like no one expected the Bengals to be good. I feel like at the start of the season, prob- probably everyone had them at the bottom of that division. 100%. Right? They had the Browns. It probably, it probably at the top. went the Ravens. It probably went the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers. And then you could probably switch out, you know, one A and one B at the top. But it's completely flipped. And I mean, unfortunately, you look at the Browns, they've had so many injuries. They lose Kareem Hunt, they lose Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield didn't play last game. They still won the game against Denver, but Case Keenum was starting that game. And so it's not completely their fault. Jarvis Landry hasn't really played. Odell didn't play the start of the season. It's not like he's really doing anything for them anyway. But um, a lot of, I mean, this season, there's so many injuries. I mean, we say it every season, but like, couple weeks ago adam Schefter literally tweeted out like half the league was was on ir this week i mean you look at all the running backs that went down i mean montgomery chubb kareem hunt mccaffrey like all these guys are going down damian williams he was a replacement for montgomery then khalil herbert has to step up so yeah it's pretty wild but you are right there are definitely some teams that are clearly out of the mix who are who are now just playing for that draft pick that right. they're in tank mode. And of course, as a professional, you never want to tank, but you got the guys at the bottom of the barrel. But it's going to get interesting down the stretch because there is that extra playoff team. And look, the, the Raiders right now are at the top of their division and the AFC West. But do I think that is that sustainable? I don't think so because I think if they play the Chargers again, the Chargers beat them head to head. I think if they play the Chiefs again, the Chiefs will beat them head to head. So I don't necessarily feel like they're the actual top dog. I mean, they also fired their coach midseason too. I mean, sure hey two two wins since then sure yeah no you're right but you know you never know and it is seven weeks in but keep in mind we had an extra game there's two more weeks i would guess in the afc the only i i would say that the bills feel like they will stay at the number one spot in the afc east and i think just with the start that the titans have jumped out to I think they will as well, but I do like, I look again, I mentioned the Colts already. They had a very gritty win tonight um, against an ailing 49ers team where well, they're always ailing. They always have guys out with injury, um, yeah. but the Colts feel like a, like a very competitive three and four and a team that's legit, especially because that they have a defense, they have a quarterback who has looked more confident than I've ever, than I've seen him in the last two years, I think. Um, he, he ran on third down and ran for like 12 yards on one play, took a hit. And I was like, oh, that's Carson Wentz when he was on the Eagles before the injury in his MVP you're season. About, you're talking about the, the hit that, that when he came for his leg? Yeah. It was like a first down run. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, no. They're going to blow up his leg. But he bounced right up. I was like, thank God. Because you don't yeah. want to see that guy get hurt. I mean, I, I'm really, I really root for Carson Wentz. He did make a couple of dumb decisions, but he really found his groove. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he at the end of the day, he, he won the football game, and it was an ugly game for both sides. Okay, so let me just break these teams down in the AFC. Teams that are that have no chance of making the playoffs. The Texans, the Jags, I, the Dolphins, and the Jets. And then I am going to throw in the Broncos because I, I don't think there's any way that the Broncos can make a wild card. I think that they had a cakewalk schedule through the first three games. They've lost yeah. four straight. Um, they are having quarterback woes already. and 
Yeah. I just, it's not that dynamic of a team. They really can't keep up. That's really what it comes down to. Got a nice defense, but I mean, I was praising Teddy to start the season, but he's just fine. He's not anything special. He's not going to, he's not going to get you back into games. If you're down, he can keep you in games at times, but yeah, it's, it's tough. So I'm, I'm with you. They're out. Would you, would would you include the Steelers in there? I'm, I can't yet. You can't yet because they could get hot, but at the same time, Ben has looked like doo-doo. Like, yeah. like take a spooky dookie. Like he's Halloween season. Happy spooky Halloween. Dookie. <laughs> yeah. Um, he needs to retire. And they lost Juju in midseason. And I just don't mink of a bat Fitzpatrick has not been playing good at all. Like he's supposed to be, you know, they're stud on defense. And TJ Watt's been kind of quiet. I mean, he's had some good games here and there, but yeah, I don't know. That division is way too tough. They're gonna run into this, to the Ravens. They're gonna run into the Bengals. I mean, they might they might lose to the Browns too if they're at full health. So, I think I'd consider them out. Okay, let's move it to the NFC real quick, um, and just kind of do the same thing. I would say the Giants are out. So that's an interesting question. Do you think that those NFC East teams, the Eagles and the Giants, are for sure out? I don't know. I wouldn't say the Eagles because I feel like that type of team can like catch fire, but I think the Giants are out. Really? I actually think that the Giants are better than the Eagles. Really? Because I think that their defense is more legit. And mm. I don't trust, like, if Daniel Jones can put it together, I think his talent is there. And I think that at this point, like, Hertz is still fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Like, he's just trying to make a play happen every single every single time they touch the ball and they're just so prone to mistakes. Miles Sanders might be out now, um, which that could be problematic for them. Devonta Smith has looked good in moments, but they traded away Zach Ertz. I like Goddard. I just don't think they have enough defensively to, to stay with teams and the giants defensively last year were a really good team and they didn't lose a lot of their personnel. I, I feel like finally things clicked and they, they really dominated the Panthers today. Yeah, Um, they did. Bradbury had a pick. They had a they had a safety. Leonard Williams had two sacks. Yeah, a like safeties in the league this year or, or this week. Yeah. So I, I'm look, I don't think that I, I I think it wouldn't be crazy if the Giants ended up as the second best team in the NFC East. Now, does that mean that they make the wild card? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But <laughs> I think there's I think there's stronger teams in the NFC that prevail. Um yeah. I mean, you look at the South. This you got the Saints still there that are playing with the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are gonna win that division, but Saints looking good there. Then you have the West too. I mean, you can't really ever count out the Seahawks. I know Russ is out for a little bit, but when he gets back, they could be right back in it. The Rams have been playing incredible, and the Cardinals are undefeated. Right. Yeah. So you you still think even at two and four for the Niners and the Seahawks, specifically the Seahawks, that they can turn things around. They always can. You got Russell Wilson. You've got DK. You've got Ty Lockett. You know, you get Chris Carson back healthy. Pete Carroll's a great coach. Still have a pretty decent defense. Bobby Wagner's manning that. So they can get back in it. But I think the Niners are done. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there's going to be two teams coming out of that division that make the playoffs, whether, I mean, the Cardinals and the the Rams. Yeah, and then obviously the Lions, are they're done. Coast. Would you say that between the Falcons, the Panthers, the Bears, 
or any of the NFC East? Can you can you ride them off already? Can you say for certain that they're done? You might have to be able to ride. You might have to ride off the Bears. They play. I, I was going to say. I think I have to put them in there. I just at this point, you're asking Fields to do too much offensively. Right. Yeah. No. It was pretty miserable watching them try to move the ball in offense today. Um, Vikings. They have a, a pretty big test next week on Halloween against the boys on Sunday night. So big we'll game. see how they fare there. I, I don't think they're out because I do think Kirk Cousins is playing good, some, some good football. And, you know, if Dalvin Cook bounces back from injury, he could be back. And they still got Thielen and Jefferson. So still think that's a dangerous team. Falcons are the Panthers. The Panthers are the same situation as the Broncos where they started 3-0, and lost right. four straight. They pull Sam Darnold today for P.J. Walker. Uh, the XFL guy, and obviously that doesn't bode well. Uh, apparently, they want to make a push for Deshaun, but he has a no-trade clause. He only wants to go to Miami. So if that does happen and he is able to play football, it seems like that's the place where he's going to end up. That's, that's crazy. He literally just traded for Sam Darnold, and they're already trying to upgrade again. It's just ridiculous. Like, like what? Try to figure it out. I don't know. The whole Deshaun thing is, a, is such a headache. I mean, let's just let's just let this season be a wash. Honestly. I mean, the whole Miami thing and Tua played really good against the Falcons and that brings us to the for, for four touchdowns. And yeah, exactly. And they end up losing a heartbreaker to a, a game winning field goal by coup. But um, I, I don't know about the Falcons. I mean, they've all their wins are against easy teams. Yeah, they definitely, they've looked better. They've seemed to have found their, their form a little bit. I will say, I want to give some props to, Arthur Smith, because at the end of that game, there are a lot of, there are a lot of coaches. What? Shout out to his family. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the games, especially, and I mean, like I obviously watch this firsthand quite often because I'm a fan of the Cowboys and I don't believe that Mike McCarthy is a good head coach and he certainly isn't a good clock manager um, or decision maker with his timeouts and in anything in regards to that, which, okay. So he's not a good coach, (laughs) but Arthur Smith coached a really good end of that football game. The Dolphins right. made the play that they needed to. They scored that touchdown, but he expertly, he expertly waned off the rest of that clock. Pitts is finally coming into his own. So I think that, I don't know. I, I, I could see them kind of contending with the saints as that second. We'll, we'll see the saints. They played tonight. Obviously I, I expect them to win that game against the depleted Seahawks. And then at that point they're four and two and, They've got a game jump on on the Falcons, but maybe the Falcons right. can make it interesting. We'll see. I mean, like I said, a lot of football left. We got 11 weeks left, 10 games for some of these teams. So right. there's a lot to be discovered. There's a lot to be determined. You know, injuries happen. Guys come out and find their confidence, find their stride. Guys catch a case of the yips. You never know what happens. So, I mean, this certain teams can fall flat on their face and certain teams can get hot and – when it comes playoff time, it's usually the hot team that ends up making that run. And, you know, that could be determined by the last four weeks of the NFL regular season. Yeah, always. So safe to say that as it stands now in the NFC, the East leader, the Cowboys, the North leader, the Packers and the South leader, the Bucks, we expect them to be the top yes. of their division at the yes. end of the season. And because I think the Cowboys are the best team in the, in the NFC. Really? I do. I think they're better than the Cardinals and I think they're better than the Rams. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals to me, I still can't put them as the best team. And I think they can beat the Bucs. 
Yeah. Well, we played them really well. The Bucks and the Packers both dominated today. They Absolutely did. dominated. And the, I, I, I personally think that the Packers are the best team. Um, but it's it's really tough. I mean, all of those offenses are so high caliber. Right. Kyler right. still has to be considered the MVP favorite, right? At this point, right. seven and yeah. zero team. Everyone yeah. thought that the the Rams were going to dominate the Lions, and it didn't. But you could also kind of chalk that up to Goff, you know, playing against his old team. You know, there's definitely a lot more fire involved in that team. Stafford's playing against his old team. You know, there's a lot of emotion in that one so we'll see but they still won that game by nine points yeah should have won it by nine and a half it would have made me a lot happier nick i'll tell you that much (laughs) uh anything before we go anything any takeaways in in basketball i mean our our prediction of the warriors being really really good your prediction of them winning the western conference three and oh they look great they still haven't even incorporated their rookies or clay yet they're just fun to watch steps off i mean put a prop down on them on betonline.ag to, to uh, I think went over like 54 games. And then I also put a prop on Steph to win the MVP and he is playing out of his mind right now. I mean, it's three games, but he, he always steps up under the, in these cases when they're down players and, or guys around him aren't playing well. I mean, you look at him last season, he carried that team. Yeah. And he's just one of the most dominant players I've ever seen. Yeah, he's he's truly unbelievable. And it was interesting. I was watching that Kings game they played tonight, and they were up like six. This Kings team, who we've talked about before, is, is very scrappy. Yeah, yeah, very scrappy. Harrison Barnes was averaging 30 points through the first two games of the season, which is pretty awesome. And, of course, he's playing against his former team, the Warriors. And so you expect him to have a really good game. Devion Mitchell had a, his career best game, third game into the season. So that'll be fun to see him um, continue to impress, but they got to put Steph back in the game. They're up six or seven in the fourth quarter. It's a tight game. They put him back in with like four and a half minutes left. That's how deep this team is where they can really trust and rely on other guys and then allow Steph to come in and be the big swing guy. Right. right? Which like at that point, he's always going to deliver. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I mean, it's, it's early to say, but I'm happy with the prediction that I made. I'll say that. Yeah, and the Lakers, they won tonight against the Grizzlies, but scrappy, scrappy win, one point win. But that's their first win of the season, right? First win of the season. So they're they're one and two. I'm interested to see how this team progresses. Um uh, I don't know. I feel like they'll put it together at some point. I mean, all those guys just need time to gel. Yeah, they just they just don't have a lot of good shooters. Shooting's really important in the modern NBA. So right. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. The Paul George. The Clippers are on two, but Paul George has had two awesome games. So, yep. Yes. I think he'll find himself probably in the top 10 of the MVP voting by the end of the season. I mean, I don't know how far they're going to make it in the playoffs or even if they're going to sniff the playoffs, but I mean, he's really all they got right now. So, yeah, he'll be in the conversation. Yeah. Well, we'll just kind of have to, we'll keep an eye, obviously, on things in the NBA and, and we'll talk about them on the pod. But uh, anything else, Nick, for, for our listeners before we go? Um, Should we tell them where Josh is, what he's doing? Oh, I'm sure they can probably make their own assumptions. <laughs> His name is Josh Fisher. Yeah. And he's a big fanatic of a jam band related to that name. <laughs> he, and, he and Bill Walton, they both love jam bands. They do. 
All right. And and, think- and jam jam bands is good for you. And and jam bands is good for me. Right. And this show is not sponsored by Bike for Humanity, but I wish that it was. So Bike for Humanity, if you uh need a show to sponsor you, we got you. But in the meantime, now that you're done listening to the show, you should go to betonline.ag, put some bets in for this upcoming week, maybe one on the Saints game tonight. Who knows? Take them money line. That's always a fun bet, but plenty of other bets down the road. You could take a bet on the Braves to win the World Series. That's Nick likes Nick's like Nick likes that one. And if you, uh, you wanna and, if you want to ride an MVP, Eddie Rosario, ride the hot hand. Always ride the hot hand. All right. Nick, a pleasure. So much more fun with just you Always. and no Josh. Always. For the fans out there, drag both feet and bounds. Swing on a full count. Rip that puck. Hit that putt. And hit your free throws. Why, Nick? Oh, because they're free. Because they're free. We absolutely we love them. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.